Alright lads, this podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcast and network. Visit VicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcast, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions and updates across the world of wrestling. to episode 4 of the Honor Roll here as part of the Voices of Wrestling Network. My name is Mark Robinson, you can follow me online on Twitter, at Lithium Project, and you can now, I can exclusively reveal, follow the podcast on Twitter as well, as I set up a Twitter account not too long ago, you can follow that at the Honor Roll V-O-W, and that would be Honor, the American spelling of H-O-N-O-R. <clears throat> Uh, I haven't fully decided how the account, how I'm going to um, use it. Uh, currently, my, my intention is uh, anything that I watch, Ring of Honor related, uh, I'm going to use the Twitter feed just to give you know my snowflakes, my stars, because my opinion is, is so vital and crucial uh, to the wrestling world. Um, I, I doubt I'm going to use it to uh, give news and whatever else, because... I'm pretty sure if you're listening to this, you have your other sources for finding news, um, and we're all probably getting it from the same place anyway. But, uh, you know, feel free to give me a follow, feel free to, to use it to ask me any questions about the show, about the Ring of Honor, uh, I'd love to hear your guys' feedback, uh, so yeah, that's the Honor Roll V-O-W. On this week's episode, uh, we're going to have a quick talk about more of the Enzo Cass situation. Uh, we have a review of the Masters of the Craft show that took place la- April 14th. Uh, we have this week's Ring of Honor television review. And then we also have uh, previews of the upcoming Crockett Cup, as well as a little bit of talk about uh, one of the cards uh, for the War of the Worlds tour that we have some matches for. So, uh, just want to say Happy Easter to everyone if you celebrate the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Uh, if you don't, well, I hope you had a nice weekend break anyway um, to peel back the curtain a little bit. Uh, so, as you can probably tell, I am English, but I live in the Republic of Ireland, so uh, my family are all back in the United Kingdom, uh, which means that uh, my uh, Easter's and Christmases are generally quiet or not with family, but it's fine. That's my choice. Uh, there's no no sob story to be had here. I had a nice little break away from work and uh, and watched a fair amount of wrestling and played a fair amount of Cuphead on Switch. Um, if you want to hear more about what I think about Cuphead, uh, I would go. I would suggest listening to my other podcast at Link to the Cast. Uh, where we talk about video games every week. Anyway, let's move on. Now all the plugging is out of the way. Uh, the Enzo Cass situation. Apparently, 
Enzo and Cass are uh, already done with Ring of Honor. Uh, they weren't on either the uh, Pittsburgh show. They weren't at Masters of the Craft. Um, according to Big Dave of the Wrestling Observer, they are not currently scheduled for any future appearances with the company. Uh, I don't want to spend too much time talking about this because uh, I, I spoke about it last week and we spoke about it during the G1 Supercard. Uh, and I just I don't really want to give this that much attention. I'm going to take this with the biggest pinch of salt because due to the nature of what the original angle was um, and we've seen over the years uh, Dave will sometimes report on information that's fed to him which was inaccurate information to begin with um, which is not the fault of Dave you know he has his sources and <clears throat> he was fed something that wasn't true um, I'm hoping that this is correct information i'm hoping that this is the case and they won't be used going forward and this was just a uh, a misstep in direction from the company at all levels uh, and we can move on and forget this ever happened my concern is that this report will come out and people will be like okay cool so they're not using them and then we see uh, another invasion angle uh, in the next couple of weeks whether at War of the Worlds or during another G.O.D. match so we get more uh, comments from Tamatonga about that so yeah I don't have too much more to say uh, hopefully this is the end of this little saga um, and we can just all move on with our lives and Enzo can continue being a SoundCloud rapper and I don't know what Cass is doing these days anyway uh Masters of the Craft from Columbus, Ohio, 14th of April. Uh, this was the first kind of big event since the Madison Square Garden show, and uh, I think that they needed to put their forward, foot forward here with some very good professional wrestling to um, just remove a little bit of the stink that came from G1 Supercard, and I think that uh, overall that's... Uh, they accomplished this uh, up and down the card. There were a couple of very good matches. Um, nothing here that was as bad as the worst bits on on G One Supercard. And I mean, depending on how you want to define Osprey and Cobb, if that was a Ring of Honor match or a New Japan match, uh, there was stuff here that was as good as that, uh, or as good as anything that ROH presented uh, during WrestleMania weekend. So, uh, matches results from the card. Uh, Jeff Cobb defeated Rhett Titus in 9 minutes 45 seconds with a tour of the islands. Uh, this was a perfectly fine showcase for Jeff Cobb. Uh, Rhett Titus, he he exists to be in this kind of position at this point. Um, he uh, very much like his old tag team partner, as Kenny King was once described, he is a bit of a preliminary fucking wrestler. But, I mean, I don't have any issues with King or Titus as wrestlers. They're, they're functional, they they can do a job um, with the context of that intended. And he made Cobb look really good. And, and Cobb is the guy that's being pushed. Um, you know, the rocket is strapped him at the moment. So uh, this served the purpose it was meant to do. It went under 10 minutes. This was harmless. And uh, yeah, I, I have very little to complain about this. Uh, Cobb continues to look tremendous. Um, and 
you know, if they continue doing this every week, I'm going to be saying the same thing every week in, in that they are doing all the right things with Cobb. And now he has this whole double champion thing going on. He just, he looks like a megastar. And Ring of Honor have him. So, uh, yeah, thumbs up all around here. Can't complain at all. Uh, if we are interested in stars at all, uh, I will give you my... Uh, I gave this uh, two and three quarter stars. You know, nothing too spectacular, but it did the job that it needed to do. Uh, next up, Jenny Rose defeated Holly Dead. Uh, I gave this... Uh, I gave this just a star and three quarters. Um, there isn't really much to say about this. Um, I don't really think much of either of these wrestlers. Sad to say. Um, with that said, this was still better than the uh, Women of Honor match at G1 Supercard uh, because this match didn't involve Kelly Klein, so this already had a star added to it. I'm sorry, I I I did say that I didn't. Uh, I'm not the kind of person that will um, go out of my way to to bury wrestlers because I'm not a wrestler, and you know uh, I think it's fair game for, for critique. Um, but that match was just atrocious moving on this was fine but completely forgettable again under 10 minutes um i really don't have a lot to say about this <sighs> moving on uh, eight man tag the briscoes shane taylor and silas young defeated the bouncers and coast to coast in 40 minutes um this i gave uh three three and a half stars uh, this was fun this was just a chaotic brawl um for the most part um, just action packed. Um, you know, when you have four tag teams, uh, you're always gonna have chaos, uh, and it's. I think it's more about how it's uh, filmed and how it's directed more than the actual action itself. I remember uh, a whole bunch of times um, during the uh, real low peak of Impact Wrestling or TNA at the time. Um, where the the direction, uh, even in say like a three or just a four man uh, match, was just completely over the place, and and moves were being uh, missed left, right, and centre. Even sometimes in just a one on one match, and moves would be missed, and that wasn't the case here. Everything was uh, everything that you needed to see was seen, and uh, and yeah, this was this was a fun brawl. This is like much better than the six-man tag at, at Madison Square Garden. Um, obviously, this wasn't a street fight, but it had that level of chaos about it. Uh, and up and down this card, I can say, you could put, have put this on on uh, on the Madison Square Garden show, and it would have been a better showcase for all of these people than what most of these people did, whether in the, on the Rumble or where else in the card. Certainly for Shane Taylor and Silas Young. Like, they uh, had a much better showing for themselves here than they did in uh in that six man tag. So this was this was fun. Uh I yeah, again can't complain about this. Uh next up we had Roosh against Sobonario Jr. If I'm correct, these were tag partners during the tag league last year for uh New Japan. I think it was Sobonaro Jr. I I could look it up but I'm not going to if I'm wrong I'm wrong. But hey, I'll go with the presumption that I'm right. Uh I remember Sobonario not being great during that tournament uh, pretty sloppy making a lot of mistakes 
uh, he was here to just get squashed by Roosh and uh, Roosh and Jeff Cobb they are the two um, projects that this company have at the moment that they are doing all the right moves with um, this obviously went longer than the castle matches went 345 um, but Roosh just looked tremendous uh, Sabonara got a little bit of fire back he um, you know he had a drop kick he dumped him but he didn't get really anything he didn't look like he was in any kind of position of power during this match which was the right thing to do and uh, Roosh he's just devastating drop kick in the corner that he hits it just looks like he fucking kills the other guy and, uh, and this was good yeah, this was uh, a solid squash all around uh, and I can take Roosh, Roosh uh, killing fools each week. No issues with that whatsoever. On to my highlight of this card. Karistico uh, against Bandido, against PJ Black, and Flip Gordon in a four-corner survival match. This was just all-out action for the just a little shy of 15 minutes that this went. Uh, I gave this four stars. Uh, I very much enjoyed this. Karistico um, was here, uh, he didn't really do all that much, but he also didn't blow any spots, so thumbs up from me um, surprisingly the star of this match was actually PJ Black, uh, certainly during the, the middle section he he was really the glue holding this whole thing together um, and we'll talk about his match with Mandido that took place on the last uh, television episode uh, but he was very solid throughout, like he just held this whole thing together uh, and, and some of the best work I've seen him do uh, in a long time uh, I didn't see really anything he did in Lucha Underground so I can't comment on that but yeah he looks great here uh, Bandido continues to look like a star Flip Gordon uh, continues to um, be one of the more over acts um, with this company uh, and with this crowd uh, and he had an insane uh, front flip um, springboard front flip from the ring to there's like a, a kind of barricade where the, the front row is but it's kind of on like an elevated platform uh, just completely insane uh, Caristico nearly killed the front row as well uh, being pushed into them uh, yeah just all out action um, Bandido hit his 21 plex uh, on both uh, Black and Flip Gordon I think it was uh, I, just, I'm, I love that move the the twenty one plex is probably one of my favorite moves in wrestling right now, and and Black takes it, and he took another one on the television show, uh, and his sell job for it is uh, is excellent work. Uh, just all around thumbs up. Um, if you need to watch any Ring of Honor wrestling, um, and you're very much kind of out of tune with the product at the moment, I would give this uh, a strong, strong, heavy recommendation. Good stuff. Uh, Kenny King arrived. Uh, he is acting like he's blind uh, after being misted by the Great Musa at Madison Square Garden. And uh, I, I actually kind of enjoyed Kenny King during this. Uh, he didn't he didn't take away from the action, uh, which is something that I am going to talk about with Nick Aldis uh, coming up on commentary. Uh, but he was very much in a kind of goofball uh, mode. And... He actually, yeah, he's he's pretty good at this. He's always been very straight-laced with his character. Um, and he, he loosened up here a little bit and, and was, you know, effectively making fun of himself. Uh, and and yeah. I enjoyed this. Uh, yeah. Good work, Kenny King. Good work. 
about time. Uh, we had a 30-minute Ironman tag, number one tag team contenders match. Uh, Jonathan Gresham and Jay Lethal against Lifeblood, which was made up of Mark Haskins and Tracy Williams. Again, talking about stuff that would have been better than just about anything that Ring of Honor uh, showcased at uh, G1 Supercard. Uh, this was an e- easy four stars for me. Um, just some really solid professional wrestling. I mean, you've got the likes of Haskins and Gresham and Lethal in there. Uh, and Williams, who I've been hit or miss on, but he he held his own here. Um, but any time Gresham was in there... Um, and certainly, like the way that they transitioned into the the first fall uh, with Gresham tapping to the sharpshoot sharpshooter, uh, just really excellent stuff. I'm so happy. Like I'm, you know, again, I'm from England. I've been watching Mark Haskins for about ten years now. Um, I saw him when he was under a, a kind of a Johnny Nitro esque gimmick um, when he was doing that for all of five minutes in Impact TNA. Uh, but I've seen him on the independence. I've seen him on the British wrestling scene for years, and he's very much an underrated talent. So uh, I'm I'm really happy to see him being given these kind of prominent positions, uh, and I hope this continues because uh, he looked excellent in this match, and I'd love to see him and Gresham and him and Lethal uh, tear it up more going forward. Um, and actually thinking about it with Lethal because he doesn't need to be anywhere near the. Uh, the the heavyweight title scene for a while, and uh, and the fact that him and Gresham won this match and they they are the new tag contenders, like I think that's a really good thing for them. Uh, and I say this a lot, and it gets said a lot about the new Japan scene. But you have a whole bunch of uh, heavyweight singles contenders that you could easily put into the tag title scene and elevate um, the tag title scene uh, much more than it is. Because for as great as New Japan is. One of its uh, downfalls, uh, it's one of its weak points, is its tag scene. Um, and you, I don't think you can say that about Ring of Honor. Uh, for the most part, their tag scene has always been pretty strong. They've always had a a fair amount of uh, decent tag teams in there. I mean, you know, the Briscoes, the Young Bucks, the uh, well, with the removal of the Young Bucks, the, the Briscoes have been kind of the glue to hold the scene together, but I really like the combination of Villain Enterprises. They're far more entertaining than they have any right to be. I think that uh, the combination of Gresham and Lethal can really add some blood into the scene. Lifeblood, any combination of them, I think. Um, you've got a whole bunch of different tandems there that work. Even the bouncers are fine for what they are. So, yeah, I, this was good. This was really, really good. Um, this has me really uh, intrigued if they go that way to see what a... Um, what they did. I suppose they could do Gorillas of Destiny and Gresham and Lethal. I have no idea where down the line we're going to see G.O.D. lose the, the R.H. belts, but I think... I, I Yeah... I'd, I'd, I'd watch Gresham Lethal and G.O.D. That, that would be a different match. Uh, and, and one of the things I, I will say about G.O.D. is uh, one of the things that makes them not as compelling is, um, and again, this is um, due to the New Japan tag scene, is that the, the contenders they have, the teams they have to work with, it's kind of a revolving door of the greatest hits at this point. Um, so Gresham and Lethal would be a, a new combination that I would uh, I definitely... Uh, be interesting to him. But this is good. Uh, yeah, I, I, I checked this out. During the show, and I guess I can 
talk about Nick Aldis here because I was going to wait till the television review, but we'll do it here now. Um, Aldis, he goes in between doing very much the colour commentator uh, heel shtick uh, type of persona as the NWA heavyweight champion. And anytime he can get a dig in at anyone he's defeated or uh, lifeblood and their code of honour or anything, he will do it. And for the most part, that is fine. Um, that's what his role is there to do. Um, and I think that him and Ian Riccoboni, uh, they work fine enough. Uh, him and Caprice Col- Coleman are just dreadful. And, and Coleman is also very hit and miss, but for different reasons. In that sometimes he's a good kind of colour commentator and sometimes he's very bad. Where Nicoldis is just more, I think it's on the direction that he's given that is the problem more than anything else. Like when he's out there and he's just kind of calling the action and... Um, talking about like the psychology and, and why wrestlers do certain things during the match. I mean, he's a wrestler, so he knows his stuff, and um, I think he's really good at that. Uh, and I think that him, Cabana, and uh, Riccoboni, when they're on that wavelength, they are one of the better uh, commentary tandems out there. But sometimes he really pushes into the hill persona and what he's trying to do with taking cheap shots and digs at everyone, and certainly during the... Uh, the television episode we'll talk about him and Coleman were just going on during uh, a match that just was completely taken away from the match, which is just, you know, the cardinal sin of being a commentator is that the action should, the focus should always be on the action in the ring and not on the commentators. So, um, now there was a specific reason for why it was done here because, um, this did lead into Cabana challenging Nicoldis, uh, for a shot at the NWA championship there that night. Um, so I, I'm not going to critique it as much because at least there was a, a purpose for it and it did actually lead to something. So I'll, I'll let, I'll let it slide here, but, um, as I'll talk more about in the, the television review, uh, it just, it infuriated me there. Uh, Cabana, Aldis, um, this went 10 minutes, not really much to talk about. Uh, this is more just to set up the, the angle at the end where, uh, Skrull arrived uh, and stole the NWA championship Camille was there uh, we ended up with a scuffle between Skrull and Cabana which led to the DQ and yeah this was really just to uh, build up the Skrull and Aldis feud uh, for the Crockett Cup which actually I've I've actually enjoyed um, they've done this kind of big brother little brother thing between Skrull and Aldis and talking about their history together uh, uh, and it's that you know it, Wrestling feuds are always uh, good when you can tap into something that's real and personal. Uh, and I think that they've actually done a pretty good job. Uh, and for everything you can say about Aldis in terms of actually being a wrestler, he he carries himself well. And uh, he, you know, I, I've enjoyed his work. The the whole stuff with Tim Storm, the, the Cody match at uh, All In and that feud and how that was built up. He's, I think, he, I'm not going to, am I going to say he's underrated? Maybe not, because the wrestling side of it is is there. Um, it's acceptable. But as as, as a persona, as a, a personality, as someone who can build up a match, maybe he's a little bit underrated. I don't know. It's a conversation for another day. Uh, Dalton Castle came out. Um, he was going to speak what was on his mind, but he left. That's fine. We can continue to build that up. And uh, God knows he probably needed the night off anyway. Um, so anytime you know what actually this would be the perfect thing for him to just have a couple of months to continue to do this to, to turn up um, 
he's talking on leave just so he has time to heal. Uh, if that's kind of part of the reason for this, I'm I'm all for that. Uh, God bless that man. Main event. Uh, Villain Enterprises versus The Kingdom. Uh, this got turned into a street fight at the start of the match. And I read something recently, um, which I think was a fair point to, to bring up, that over the last couple of big matches um, from the 17th anniversary, which had the main event being a street fight, the ladder match at G1 Supercard, and this being a street fight as well, uh, there has been a bit of emphasis on Ring of Honor taking this uh, direction to more of the, the bra- brawling street fight style uh, and we've spoken about the influence that Bully Ray has on the company and I don't know how much of that can be attributed to him um, and sure you know Ring of Honor is a company that uh, is prided itself on being pure wrestling and all of that Um I don't know. I'm in two minds about it um, because these matches are entertaining. Uh, I don't think anyone could um, fault the effort and enjoyment that uh, the street fight, the 17th anniversary, that brought. I thought that was a tremendous match. The ladder match was okay. It was just long, um, but you know, I wasn't bored watching it. And this here, uh, this was a, a, a tremendous match as well. Uh, and and the result of uh, PCO hitting the PCO sort on Matt Taven to set him up as a number one contender. I think that's a brilliant bit of booking. Um, I don't think Taven is someone that you need to um, have. You know, I, it's interesting because usually when you think about um, when someone wins the championship for uh, and they, you know, their next match they they lose, uh, you would think that that's just some poor booking. But Taven isn't someone I think that you need to have be a, a strong champion he isn't someone that needs to um, be that work rate wrestler who just wins his matches outright and wins every match uh, I just I don't think that fits his character so uh, I'm, I'm more than happy with this result here just because with PCO I think you need to get all of this kind of stuff with him as soon as possible and I was going to make the comparison to say like a delirious Daniel uh, Brian Danielson match where you just have this um, contender who you know has no chance of winning, but they have this match that just for a moment you think that they might put the the belt on the contender, this underdog. Now, this is not to say that Matt Taven is any kind of worker like Brian Danielson, obviously not. But PCO is that compelling of a character and as a wrestler uh, that. I, I'm very much intrigued. I'm I'm far more intrigued to see that than I would a PCO Jay Lethal match, and maybe this is me just trying to convince myself that this whole Matt Taven winning the belt was a good idea, possibly. But hey, I'm I'm on board to see that, and uh, and this was an a, an enjoyable match. Uh, Villain Enterprises uh, retain this, still are the six man tag team champions, um, which are. Those belts are kind of booked well, uh, certainly more so than, say, the IWGP six-man belts. But that's also because they don't have a lot of six-man teams or wrestlers that they can put the belts on, so um, they probably would try and keep them on one team for periods of of time, of time, whatever. Uh, Overall, this was a really good show. Um, This was uh, hit 
close to the highs that G1 hit, and certainly never hit the lows that G1 Supercard hit. Um, it's, again, frustrating that people would have been turned off or have, have sworn off the products because of um, some of the events that transpired, but I'm telling you, this was a good show, and um, though they don't have as many legitimate heavyweight contenders as, as we would like to see, uh, up and down this card, they have a very decent roster, and they can put cards on like this night in, night out, uh, and, and I think you're going to be thoroughly entertained. So, overall, this, this is an easy thumbs up of a show from me, uh, and it is available on the uh, Honor Club, so that's $9.99 a month, uh, so I would recommend. Moving on to the Ring of Honor television for episode 396. We start off with Schrader, the ring. Um, Kenny King versus Tracy Williams. Um, as I was watching this match, I've come to a comparison that I would like to make. And uh, you can either accept this comparison or you cannot. I don't think anyone's going to really care because we're talking about Kenny King. But he kind of reminds me of The Miz in that his offense is very pro wrestler uh, and, and never looks like it would hurt or that it has any kind of real malice or intent to it. He just kind of goes through the motions, not in terms of his effort, but just in terms of the way the moves look. And I think that is one of his biggest problems and what um, sucks people out of these matches is just that his offense doesn't look as as aggressive and as heavy hitting uh, as as it could be, and he's not you know he's not a high flyer, so he can't compensate by the the athleticism, though he does have some athletic maneuvers. That was just what I took from this match, um, and also the whole Nick Aldis thing and Caprice Coleman screaming at each other during this match um, didn't help this whole thing. Um, so this kind of, even though the, the work in the match was solid, um, and was one of the better showings I've seen from Tracy Williams, um, there are a couple of negative factors to this that just kind of took me out of it. Um, and I don't know if this means that King should turn up more on the, uh, goofball side of his character, or should have played up more about being blind and that sort of stuff. Um, but he... He needs to find a different approach because uh, I just it just doesn't come across as convincing uh, in a way that you know the Miz does as well, um, and he's tried to compensate that by falling off of large scaffoldings, which I would not um, I would not advise Kenny King to do. Uh, we had a quick PJ Black promo that was similar to the one last week, talking about his redemption story and his uh, upcoming main event with uh, Bandido. This was good. Uh, not much to say here. Uh, we had a NWA, NWA title promo again, um, talking about the whole uh, Skull and uh, Aldis feud. And I mentioned pretty much everything I needed to mention um, a few minutes ago. Uh, and I'm looking forward to that match. And again, I do think that Aldis is sneaky underrated in his way to. Um, it, it is kind of a, a pure sports sort of thing in the way that his matches get. Uh, presented and uh, and you need to have different ways of approaching setting up a match and we've seen you know the one promo package that um, All Elite have done with the Cody and Dustin thing and again taking something that's very personal and very real 
uh, and it's not inside the ring. It's just it's a, a an eight minute video clip. Um, but there is just as much intrigue that I have uh, for that match, and and a lot of the the wrestling community were buzzing for that match as any fucking fifteen minute promo that you would see on Raw or SmackDown, uh, and that's kind of one of the things as well that you get here. Um, though you know, Scott and Aldis have had their moments in the ring as well. Uh, they do a pretty smart thing by doing a lot of uh, oldest stuff being outside of the ring and, and those kind of sit-down interviews and stuff. So, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. And we'll do a preview of the Crockett Cup uh, in a few moments. Rano Scum, who've not been seen on Orange Television since, I think, 2016. Uh, <clears throat> they've also been... I think they were... Well, they were like one of the, the Global Force tag teams. I want to say they were... Uh, I know they were used on Impact for a little while as well. Uh, Adam Thornstow and uh, Lust of the Legend, I think his name, I can't remember. Uh, they took on the, they took on the Bouncers, um, which included Luster, who's a pretty uh, pretty heavy set lad. He's he, you know he's thick, he's well put together. Uh, even with that said, um, doing a bear hug spot on either of the Bouncers, I can't see the logic behind it. <laughs> Might just be me, might just be me. I wouldn't have gone for that. I'd have gone for a headlock, maybe an armbar. That's just me. That's how I put a match together. Um, this existed, is is the nicest way I could put this. Not offensive, um, still better than Kelly Klein. That's the bar we're working with here. It was here. Um, nothing here for me to say that, yep, definitely bring Renault Scum back. Um, but hey, you need undercard tag teams as well as undercard singles division wrestlers, so maybe there's a spot there for them. Um, but the bouncers pick up the win with their elevated leg drop that just looks like death. What I was talking about earlier with the whole Kenny King and his offense not looking like it can hurt, the bruiser, the bouncers tag team finisher definitely looks like it may fucking kill you, so that gets a thumbs up from me. Uh, finally, the main event, PJ Black versus Bandido. Um, so the main crux of this has been about the uh, redemption story of um, PJ Black and um, trying to play more by the rules, trying to you know, really show that he is a man who follows the code of honor. Um, that didn't really play into this match, and I was thinking coming off of Masters of the Craft as well, though I think the television tapings may have played into why that didn't have the effect it should have. I can't remember when the tapings took place in conjunction with uh, Masters of the Craft. But he didn't really show that frustration or ever kind of you know lean into the dark side to try and... Uh, to try and pick up the win. Um, he very much was just... It just he wrestled it like a wrestling match, and a lot of the the build up wasn't really there. Um, so that's that's one complaint I would have with the psychology. Uh, the other thing as well is there were a few moments in this match where they weren't really on the same page, uh, particularly towards the start and the uh, uh, points towards the end as well. Uh, I will say this match got better towards the end uh, as the two kind of figured out they kind of got on the same wavelength um, and by the end I mean, this went shy of, of 20 minutes uh, this started about halfway in, in the show and went until uh, the end 
Um, so it's pretty lengthy, but it, it held my attention. Uh, Bandido's just... I. The more I watch Bandido, the more I really enjoy him. And I think he's like 23. Um, so it's one of those things that, though he may have the occasional spot that's a little bit clunky, um, a lot of that you can just put down to youth and inexperience and exuberance of being young and wanting to hit crazy shit. Um, he's moonsault fall away slam move fucking terrifies me every single time and I swear to god I, I pray that we don't see a, a Hayabusa situation with him because he's looked close on a couple of occasions with that move uh, again the 21 plex is uh, one of my favourite finishers at the moment uh, and he him and Black can have that match every night for six months and Black can take that German suplex the way he does and you know Bandido's going to be the most over guy in the company um and some of my uh, concerns I had uh, when we previewed the G1 Supercard about like the use of Bandido going forward, so far they're using him very, very well. Um, so not to say that I take credit for this, but I'm taking credit for it. Uh, so n- uh, nothing here uh, matches up to the Briscoe's uh, Cobb-Mac match from last week. But uh, the main event was was. I'd say you can check that out. Uh, we also ended with Billy Ray, who um, off-screen uh, put Tennille Dashwood through a table. Uh, so the camera came up to Tennille as she was already uh, passed out, uh, unconscious, after being put through a table. Uh, and uh, Billy Ray was sending a message to Lifeblood. So that feud will continue. And this is what I would guess is uh, the sign-off from Tennille Dashwood and her time in Ring of Honor. Moving ahead, not going to spend too much time. Um, the Crockett Cup, uh, do a quick preview of that uh, coming up this April the 27th from Concord, North Carolina. Uh, this is in conjunction with Ring of Honor, NWA, and CMLL, and New Japan actually. We, we've got a whole bunch of talent going on in here. Uh, so I'm going to give you a quick rundown of the card. Um, we've got a wild card tag team battle royal spot. Uh, which is for the 8th slot in the Crockett Cup tournament. Uh, As far as I'm aware, I don't know of any names in it. Um, If there are, my apologies, but uh, I have no information at hand. So um, I'm not familiar with the NWA roster, so I couldn't tell you if anyone from there is going to end up in that slot. Um, But... mm, Well, we've got the Prescos, we've got Villain Enterprises, Flip Gordon Bandita in there. Um, maybe you could have uh, a lifeblood slot in there. Maybe the fucking bouncers will end in there. Jesus, who knows? Uh, I'm not sure. Uh, that that one's completely up for grabs. Uh, the actual Crockett Cup tournament, the first round brackets, we have the War Kings, which are the team of Crimson and Jack Dane, uh, will take on the Wild Card Battle Royal winners. I have not seen Crimson since his days in Impact Wrestling. And Jack Stane is a name that I remember, but actually it's Jack Stane who I think it is. Because the name rings a bell. Uh, Was he... No. No, it's not who I think it is. Um, I have no faults because we don't know who uh, the other team will be. Uh, Flip Gordon and Bandido will take on the team of Guerrero Mayer Jr. and Stuka Jr., um, I imagine there'll be flips galore in this. Um, Gordon and Bandido is a little bit of a weird combination because Bandido... See, Bandido's really the, the weird uh, outlier with the whole lifeblood stable. Uh, I mean, the whole combination is just 
weird as fuck anyway, but Bandido is the one that really sticks out. Um, so this kind of felt like it would have made more sense to have, I don't know, Bandido and Haskins. Um, but, I mean, hey, Gordon's in here, and that means that this is going to be a flip fest. Uh, and I don't know anything about Guerrero Maya or Stuka, so I'll be intrigued to see how that one fares. Uh, Villain Enterprises of Brody King and PCO will take on the team of... <laughs> now I'm reading this like... I've already already read this match in my head, but now reading it out loud. What the fuck is this? Brody King and PCO versus the team of Satoshi Kojima and Yuji Nagata. Um, now, I am very much like Joe Lanza in that I fucking love Satoshi Kojima. He is one of my favorite wrestlers. Uh, and Yuji Nagata is just uh, ageless and timeless beyond his years. Trying to imagine the combination of those two and fucking PCO in the same ring. Um, you know what? This card alone is sold uh, on on that match. And uh, I'm going to have to put a, put a tweet out about that. Uh, I, <laughs> I imagine this is going to be heavy hitting. Uh, I imagine PCO is going to kill himself as he always does. And, uh, and Brody King will be there as well. So yeah, that's a fucking match. I can't wait to review that next week. And even that's even weirder than the combination of the Briscoe Brothers against the Rock and Roll Express. Um, the Rock and Roll Express had one of my favorite moments of uh, WrestleMania weekend when it, them and LAX. And uh, I can't remember which member of the Rock and Roll Express hit a fucking f- pop-up Canadian Destroyer. Because, you know, 2019, why not? Um, and as mentioned, the Briscoes are in a sneaky underrated year in terms of actually just uh, their work rate. Um... I would say the Briscoes will go through here. I can't imagine the Rock and Roll Express are going to do more than one match. But, I mean, hey, stranger things have happened. Uh, in terms of an actual winner of this... Uh, oh, I don't know. We'll, I'll say the Briscoes just so they can build up more of the G.O.D. Uh, feud. There, Briscoe Brothers. Uh, we also have uh, a now a singles match for the now vacant NWA Women's Championship as Jazz recently had to uh, vacate the belt due to what I believe is, is a number of injuries. Uh, I didn't read too much into it, but uh, basically she's had to drop the belt that she'd been a champion of for a while, if I remember correctly. Uh, so that means that uh, Sienna will now go up against a, a competitor who is yet to be announced. Um I have no idea who that will be. Uh, again, my, my knowledge of the NWA is, is limited at best. So I don't know um, who they have at hand. Maybe they will uh, use someone like... Uh, they could use Iratani uh, if she's around. I, I, you know, I don't know what their schedules are. Um, I have no idea on this one. Uh, I would presume that Sienna is going to take this. Now they need to put it on someone. They might as well put it on Sienna. I don't know if that was the original plan, but fuck it. Go for it. Uh, singles match for the NWA National Championship. Willie Mack defends against Colt Cabana. I imagine this will go 12 minutes. It will be serviceable, and it will be another win for Willie Mack uh, as they continue to put the rocket strap to him. And that is the correct result to... That should be what happens. And I don't think that they will uh, swerve us on that. And then finally, Nick Aldis will defend his championship, the NWE World Heavyweight Championship, against Marty Skull. As mentioned, uh, I think they've done an excellent job in building this match, playing off of the uh, real-life relationship between these two. Um, I would say that Nick Aldis is going to retain here. Um, uh, the whole Marty Skull situation with him 
and his contract and uh, all late. <clears throat> Who knows? You would think he was going there. It makes the most sense. Uh, I see this being a uh, a defense for Aldis. I'll be interested to see what the reaction for Marty Skull is like because he is one of the most over guys in Ring of Honor and I don't really know what the correlation, the crossover between the Ring of Honor and the NWA audience is and this is in North Carolina um, so I don't wouldn't consider this um, Skull country but we'll see. Uh, overall I, I think this is actually a really solid looking lineup and uh, I'm looking forward to watching this and uh, we will aim to have a full review on next week's show. And finally, to sign off, uh, we have some matches that have been announced for uh, the upcoming War of the Worlds tour, uh, particularly the uh, Buffalo card on May the 8th. Matches announced so far. Uh, we have a Ring of Honor World Tag Team Championship match as the Gorillas of Destiny will defend against the number one contenders, Jay Lethal and Jonathan Gresham, coming off of their victory at Masters of the Craft. Uh, yeah, as mentioned earlier, I'm looking forward to this. I think it's it's a new combination for Gorillas of Destiny. I could see Lethal and Gresham taking it here. Um, I don't think that... Um, I, the G.O.D. don't need to have those belts, and I think you can still do the Briscoe feud without those belts. Um, you can make that an IWGP tag title match. You, you know, there's a number of ways, there's a number of permutations to this, um, but I think you could definitely put the belts on Lethal and Gresham, and if nothing else, because Gresham deserves to have a run with something. He's one of the best wrestlers they have. He had a, an incredible uh, mainly weekend. He had an incredible 2018, actually, for Ring of Honor. So I think this is one of those occasions where he absolutely deserves a, a shot of some... Um, of some capacity and, and him and Leaf will make a really good tag team so yeah go for it oh my god they're back again against each other the six man tag team championships Villain Enterprises Marty Skull PCO and Brody King will defend against Jeff Cobb Yuji Nagata and Satoshi Kojima uh, <laughs> everything I just said a minute ago you have that but you also add in Jeff Cobb to throw Marty Skull around uh, I would imagine that Villain Enterprises will retain um, and I can imagine this is just going to be fucking lunacy, and dear God, what is Jeff Cobb going to do to PCO? That will be fun. Flip Gordon will take on Bandido. Again, Flip's galore. Um, that's a really interesting one, actually, because both guys are... Even though Bandido had that um, loss to Roosh a couple of weeks ago, he's still... Um, coming off of this PJ Black victory, he's got a bit of momentum behind him. Uh, and Flip Gordon, he had the G1 Supercard victory. He's uh, he's very much over. So this is a real coin flip, uh, and and may speak to the direction and push that um, these two will be having going forward. And finally, uh, just announced uh, yesterday, I think, or not too long ago, uh, Roosh will take on Silas Young in what will be a victory for Roosh. There isn't much more to say about that. Others signed to appear include uh, Mark Haskins and Tracy Williams, Evelyn Sonada, Shane Taylor, PJ Black, Hiku Leo, who isn't great, and I can't say I'm particularly compelled about that. But what I am compelled about, the LA Dojo Young Lions of Alex Coughlin, Clark Connors, and Cole Fredericks, who uh, I really enjoyed when they took on Gresham and Chris Brooks on the Ref Pro Show over Mania Weekend. So again, they were listening to me. I said, book these guys. They've gone and done that. Thank you very much. We could talk about um, 
the absence of some notable names so far uh, from the New Japan side that have been here years prior. We'll talk more about that when those shows are actually coming up because uh, uh, there's still plenty of time and, and maybe they'll, well, they will announce more matches. So um, I won't talk too much about that for the time being. Okay, I'm going to sign off there. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, as mentioned, you can follow me on Twitter at Lithium Project. You can follow the podcast at The Honor Roll VOW. And uh, we will see you again next week with a very special surprise. Till next time.